Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mind on Mental Health podcast. My name is Andy Dean. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And today's the second part of my conversation with Erica Munger. Erica is a senior utilization management reviewer at Penn Medicine Princeton House Behavioral Health. And today, Erica and I discuss the different levels of care in mental health treatment and what they all mean, as well as the insurance implications for each one. So I hope you guys enjoy the podcast and find it helpful. I guess I'm wondering if we can shift focus a little bit and you can just kind of talk about any considerations you would have specific to mental health. Yeah. So most people don't look at this part of their policy, again, because they're so hyper-focused on their physical health when selecting health insurance Mm -hmm. that they don't necessarily look at the behavioral health side of their insurance. Um, And it's super important um, to look at that because not all mental health insurance is the same. Like I said before, with the parity law, it does line up with your medical, which is excellent because before 2014, it used to be you had to really pay attention because it gave you day limitations. Like you could only use 30 days out of the year. So that is gone, thankfully. So it is Hmm. more user-friendly, but you do want to look at what does your policy cover as far as your mental health is concerned. So the levels of care for behavioral health involve the traditional outpatient, which is your psychiatrist, your therapist, Then you start to go up in levels of care, which is your intensive outpatient, your partial hospitalization programming, and then inpatient. And you want to make sure that your policy, A, that it has the benefit, which most do, if not all do, Mm -hmm. but also what does it cover? So for a traditional outpatient, that usually mimics more of your like PCP. So it'll cover you pretty much, it'll cover you almost at 100% with just a copay, like you would go to a doctor visit. But for your intensive outpatient and your partial programming, you want to see how it breaks down. So most policies and I'll hang on. Let's let's stop there for a second. I guess I just think it's really important before we talk about the insurance ins and outs of things. uh, If we can just kind of give a definition of what traditional outpatient consists of. So in my mind, that's going to a therapist, let's say once a week for an hour to talk about what's going on with you, and then maybe seeing an outpatient psychiatrist once every couple of months. Uh, And generally speaking, that that may entail some um, talk therapy, but for the most part, that's going to be checking in on your prescriptions, on your medications, if you are on any psychotropic medications. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and, And usually, like, like you were saying with a therapist, it's anywhere from like once a week, Sometimes if you really need the extra support, it can be twice a week mm-hmm. um, with a psychiatrist. You're usually once a month, depending on the psychotropics. Mm-hmm. Um, one important thing, though, when choosing a therapist and a psychiatrist for a traditional outpatient is they're their own entities, if you will. Like mm-hmm. they build separately under their own. So you just want to make sure that they are in network with your policy. Right. So- um, because, yeah, a lot of therapists don't take insurance because it's so complicated mm-hmm. um, that it really doesn't, you know, work in their interest to accept it. So with with psychiatrists, because they're MDs, you can get away with a lot of in-network. Your therapist, you have to be careful with. Mm-hmm. Okay. So 
we should probably stop to just talk about that for a second. So why don't we talk about the difference between in-network and out-of-network now? Because I think that's going to be an yeah. important distinction to make. So I know when I was trying to, when I was working at a therapist as a therapist at Princeton House, I would oftentimes sort of run into this roadblock when I was trying to refer people out for traditional outpatient services after they were done with the IOP level of care. Because you might find that there aren't a ton of in-network providers with your insurance right. all, all the time. Right. And then when I was doing private practice, I actually was an out-of-network provider. Um, right. So I've kind of seen both sides of it. But maybe you can just explain what in-network and out-of-network are and like how that can how that applies to like your insurance and your out-of-pocket yeah. costs for services. Yeah. So an in-network provider is somebody who has has a contract with commercial insurances. So mm-hmm. um, you might have an individual who has decided that they want to contract with Aetna, Horizon, and Magellan, um, which means that they have gone through the credentialing process with that health insurance. And the health insurance and the therapist came up with the amount that they're comfortable paying, receiving. So now they're in network with your insurance, which mm-hmm. means now your insurance will cover that person at the percentage that is in your policy. Most policies for traditional outpatient is 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, so now you're covered. The only thing you um, have to pay is that copay, which you see on your health insurance card. You know, your PCP is like $20. Specialist is like 30 So that's the only thing you have to pay. Now, if you go to an out-of-network provider, so an out-of-network provider is somebody who has determined, I don't want to go through insurances because it's just, it's beyond my scope of practice, basically. Well, we um, could, I think we can be honest here and just say it's a headache. It's a headache. I <laughs> yeah. mean, the, the therapists have to submit their own claims mm-hmm. um, and they have to fight with the insurance company to actually get paid. Mm-hmm. You know, and which is what I do, what my department does, but um, that's all I do. I don't have to then, you know, also give care to a patient. Yeah, it's a um, lot of extra work to be contracted a lot of with an work. insurance company. It really is. Mm-hmm. And also too, I mean, you know, they they might contract with the insurance company, whereas somebody who's out of network, a therapist who's out of network would charge you $150 a session. Mm-hmm. Um, that therapist who's in network is probably only getting maybe $75 from the insurance company. Right. So it, it while it opens up their network of clients, it mm-hmm. does not open up necessarily their their purse. Right, right. So most therapists will not contract with all insurance companies or will not contract at all with insurance companies. Mm-hmm. Those are considered out of network because they're not licensed with your insurance company. Okay. So those therapists will then charge you whatever their fee is. And I'm, you usually can, you know, talk to a therapist and let them know what your needs are. So they could be charging you $100, $150 out of pocket that you have to pay them. Now, if you have health insurance that does offer out-of-network benefits, which most of your policies do, then you can submit that amount. So let's say you know they charge $150 per session. You can now take that $150, submit it to your insurance company, and they'll pay you a percentage of it. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where it, it gets confusing again, because... Yeah. so. This is, again, where that deductible comes into play. Right. So typically, and again, you're the expert here, not me, but my understanding is that typically there, not all the time, but oftentimes there's a deductible associated with that out-of-network benefit. 
for mental health. Yes. So you might have a thousand dollar deductible that you have to pay out of your pocket before they cover that service at let's say 60%. Um, So in other words, you, you show, you submit receipts and you show them that you paid a thousand dollars to this therapist already. And then after you've met that thousand dollars, they'll, whatever, they'll start paying you based on whatever the out of network benefit is. So if the out of network benefit is, 50% 50% and the char- and the therapist charges $100 a session, then after you meet that $1,000 deductible, the insurance company will pay you $50 and right. then you pay the other 50 out of your pocket. Yep, exactly. Okay. See, you are an expert now. I feel like I taught <laughs> you so much. That's what I'm talking to you. Yeah, yeah. I'm such an expert. Yeah, but keep in mind too, your deductible is being met maybe in other areas. So mm-hmm. it, it could be that you are a utilizer of services elsewhere where you had to get labs, x-rays, that sort of thing that did that paid into your deductible. So you could mm. be pleasantly surprised and you don't have much of a deductible you have to meet, or gotcha. it could be that you do have to meet your full deductible, like you said, before your insurance will reimburse you any of that money. Gotcha. So you may have already paid some money in right. toward this yeah. deductible. Okay. Yeah. And nowadays, most insurances, you can go online and just peruse your policy to see what you've paid into. Mm-hmm. Um, also, too, you get those things in the mail called an EOB. Most people just throw them away because they're like hieroglyphics. Um, yeah. But if you actually do read one, <laughs> you, you can see a lot of the information in there. So an EOB is explanation of benefits, right? Yeah. Okay. That's that thing that says this is not a bill at the uh-huh, top of it uh-huh. that everybody always gets freaked out about. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So if somebody can only only wants to go to a therapist or a psychiatrist that's in network with them, how do they find out who's in network with their insurance policy? Yeah. So uh, two places. They can either call member services and the numbers on the back of your health insurance card. Mm-hmm. Um, there's usually discharge specialists, they're called, um, and they can help you find in network providers. I find that to be the easier way of okay. getting it because it, they have the more up-to-date information. Gotcha. But there's also the all insurance companies have a website. You can log into there and then search providers through their website. Mm-hmm. I just find sometimes that the websites aren't necessarily as updated. That makes sense. You know, as I'd like them to be. And then also psychology.com. You can plug in your health insurance information and they pull up a list of providers. Oh, interesting. Well. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. In the past, when I was trying to help people with this, usually what I would do is go to the website and print it out. But it sounds yeah. like maybe even the most up-to-date slash easier thing to do is just call the member services number on the back I of the insurance card. I find it is, yeah, okay. that they, yeah, because I've, I've done that before too, where I printed the list for people and it has like a hundred names on it, yeah, but only yeah. like two work out. Oh, yeah. I see. Okay, great. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we've kind of covered the traditional outpatient side of things. So traditional yeah. therapist, traditional, traditional psychiatrist. And did you say that psychiatrists typically are in network? So psychiatrists are, they're MDs and- right. Um, a lot of them are affiliated with medical centers. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll see that they they have their own private practice, but they're affiliated with with Penn Medicine or they're mm-hmm. affiliated with Capital Health, which means that they most of the time do contract with health insurance companies. Okay. If you do happen to find an, uh, a psychiatrist, which actually my previous psychiatrist was not affiliated with any medical centers. Mm-hmm. So she was considered an out-of-network provider. So I had to go through the whole out-of-network debacle. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times those types of providers will work with you and like submit your out-of-networks for you. 
which is nice. But for the most part, you'll find a lot of psychiatrists are in network. Okay. All right. So we just kind of touched on the traditional outpatient side of things. And then you mentioned that the next level up in terms of your levels of care is intensive outpatient partial hospital, which is actually what we do at Princeton House. So do you just want to talk about those now? Yeah. I mean, that right there is my expertise because that's where I've been stationed for the longest. Yeah. Um, So intensive outpatient um, is care that is three times per week, three hours per day. Um, So generally you will attend from like 930 in the morning till 1230. That can, you know, change depending on the provider. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's a general rule is it's three hours per day. That's what makes it that intensive part. And then you have your partial hospitalization level of care, which is just a little bit more intense in that you're attending five days per week and it's five hours per day. Mm -hmm. So you're just you're getting a little bit more of that care for somebody who really needs that stabilization and structure of of a program like that. So you're basically somebody who needs a lot of structure, needs a lot of um, support, but you're not necessarily needing to be 24 hours with care. So so hold on. This is a place where I actually do have some expertise because <laughs> I can talk about what this level of care is. But essentially, the way that I like to think about it is if you're doing traditional outpatient, you're going to a therapist once a week, you're going to a psychiatrist once a month, and you're finding that that's just not helpful enough, Yeah. then you can try this next level of care, which is intensive outpatient, which is obviously, like you said, three hours a day or five hours a day, multiple times per week. So it's it's just more treatment for your mental health if you're finding that your symptoms aren't responding to the traditional outpatient level right. of care. Um, yeah, and it also, I mean, it throws in a lot more therapy modalities as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're in a group setting, so you're now with peers of like mind who might be going through the same struggles you're going through or that you can relate to. I, I think it, it's also very helpful just to be able to talk with other people. And then also, too, you're getting groups such as processing, you're getting skills groups. So it's great for really beefing up your your therapeutic tool belt. Yeah, I agree. And I think also the other the other side to it or where I also see a lot of people coming from is like as a step down from an inpatient level of care. So it's like instead yeah, of I mean, just if you, you were if you were seeing a, a, a therapist or a psychiatrist and you're unable to really care for yourself or commit to safety, they they are going to send you most likely to an inpatient unit for that 24 hour care to get you stabilized. So then, yeah, conversely, the partial and IOP level of care can be that step down to reacclimate you back into your normal day to day life. Right. Okay. Great. So in terms of this IOP PHP level of care, what are the insurance considerations the insurance here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and what you want to look for when considering your health insurance, as I, I stated at the beginning of this, is you want to see what they cover you for IOP and PHP services. So mm-hmm. the intensive and the partial. You want to look at the breakdown of that, and it will be in percentages. So I'm going to use an example of Aetna because that's the health insurance that the employees of Princeton House have, they will cover you at 80%, which gives you then a 20% 
coinsurance. Mm-hmm. So I'm throwing another term out there another for Another term, coinsurance. Um, Let's hear it. I, yeah, I feel like I can, you know, sell flashcards maybe. <laughs> um, Good um, plan. A side, side hustle. A side, yes, yeah, my side gig. Uh-huh. So your coinsurance is what you are responsible for. So if you're Aetna, you have Aetna, they, they're going to pay 80% of your hospital bill. Now, 20% is your responsibility to pay to the provider. So to, mm-hmm. let's say, well, I'll use Princeton House. Um, if you receive services at Princeton House, you're going to have to pay that coinsurance to Princeton House. Mm-hmm. All right. So a coinsurance, the way to think about it is I go to an IOP for a day and it costs $100. Uh, if my coinsurance is 20%, my insurance pays $80 of that and I pay yes. $20 out of my pocket for that service. Right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And and that's different than a copay. Copay? Yes. Okay. So the difference between a coinsurance and a copay is simply your copay is totally dictated on your insurance company. That's that money's going to your insurance company. They okay. they decided your provider, your doctor has no control over it. Your insurance is the one collecting that. Whereas a coinsurance, that percentage is going to the provider. So we do have control over it. And why I say that is you can find providers who can help you in that department if your coinsurance happens to be a lot of money. Interesting. So, yeah. all right. So let me make sure I understand this correctly. You, The provider sets the coinsurance rate? No. Yeah. So let me rephrase. So. Okay. Um, how I always like to explain this when I'm like training new employees mm-hmm. is I'm I'm Princeton House and I'm giving you a service and I want to get paid for my service mm-hmm. at 100 percent. I gave you 100 percent of my care. I want to receive 100 percent of my payment. Now, I contract with Aetna and Aetna has agreed to pay me X amount of dollars for one day of IOP. So we'll say that's a hundred dollars that Aetna says, I'm going to pay you the provider that much money. Mm -hmm. But you, your policy says that Aetna only pays 80% of that hundred dollars. So Aetna tells the provider, listen, their policy says that I pay 80%. So I'm only going to give you $80 to the provider. You're going to have to go back to Jane Smith and get that other 20%. Gotcha. Um, so now me as the provider, I want 100% of my payment. I'm going to go to Jane and I'm going to say, listen, I need that 20%. And if Jane says I'm really you know, struggling this week, can I you know, pay you $10 a day or something like that? Mm-hmm. We can work with you on that. Gotcha. You know, um, okay. if, if your finances are really bad, we have something that's called a fee reduction. We can help you, you know, mm-hmm. with that co-insurance. But not necessarily, not every place can necessarily do that. It all depends on the provider. I can, yeah, I mean, I can only speak for Princeton House because mm-hmm. this is where I work. Yeah, it really depends on the provider. So in some ways, it sounds like as the person who's trying to access a service, it almost doesn't really matter to me. Like, most people can kind of think of coinsurance as another copay. I mean, they don't necessarily care if it's going to the provider, if it's going to the insurance company, right. but it's more money that it's is coming out, out of, of your pocket to yeah. pay for the service. Yeah. It's yeah, just so that- that's why it comes down to when you're choosing your policy, you want to look at, well, what is what do they cover for mental health? Do they mm-hmm. cover 80%? You know, a $20 co-insurance co- every day is not so bad. Right. If they cover only 50%, now we're looking at more money out of my pocket. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's worth it to me. Right. Okay. So 
you can almost think of a co-insurance as a copay on top of your copay, except it goes to the provider instead of the insurance company. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying like where where the provider sometimes might have wiggle room with this is that they can try to work with you on your co-insurance because they're the person that collects that money. Right. It's our money. So we can right. control it. Yeah. Whereas with the... Um, with co-pays and with deductibles, we as the provider have no control over it. Mm-hmm, right. um, so we can advise you on what you have left of your deductible. We mm-hmm. can advise you on what you have for a copay. We have no control over whether or not you have to pay it. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so the, um, oh my God, I keep forgetting. <laughs> the terminology? Am I trying to say copay? Copay, co-insurance. <laughs> See, you need my flashcards. No, I know I do. I need your I need your flashcards. <laughs> uh, yeah, when I go to the doctor and they're like, "Okay, you have a twenty, yeah, copay, copay." Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, co-insurance goes to the provider. Copay goes directly to the insurance company. Right. We okay. have no control over it. Gotcha. Okay. Anyway, we probably just talked about that for way too long. Uh, <laughs> but again, we're just trying to make sure that oh, I understand what we're talking about here. And, and it's this is why so many people run into high hospital bills because they're not well versed in health insurance. Mm-hmm. You want to be knowledgeable and you want to make sure that you're not paying more than you absolutely need to. Mm-hmm. But most people don't know to look at their benefits to this degree. You know, I mean, I, I don't know anybody who looks for their mental health portion of their benefits. Yeah. And it's super important. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that, you know, it's so convoluted that you don't necessarily understand what you're signing yourself up for when, yeah. when you, you know, when you yeah. select a plan. If you are somebody who's selecting a plan off of the healthcare.gov um, website, they have these people that are called CACs which I crack up every time I uh-huh. hear that. Uh-huh. Um, and it's CAC. So they're, they're insurance advisors. So you can hook up with one of them online or via telephone, and they can help guide you through a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Too. Okay. So there are resources out there. Also, too, if you're picking an employer plan, your HR department, more times than not, has a specialist who, who works with your insurance. So you want to get with those people who are well-versed in health insurance and can help you maybe guide a little bit more. But I think the takeaway is to to spend more time when choosing and don't just quickly do it. And also, too, to reevaluate every single year. Mm-hmm. Is this working for me? I think right. sometimes we get into this habit of not checking. Like my husband, for example, my health insurance is through him. And I always ask him, well, is it can you bring home open enrollment information? Can I peruse it? Like mm-hmm. he doesn't even think to do it. Yeah, you know? right, right. I'd be the same way. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And your circumstances change, right? So like if you... Right. I mean, if you had a child. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did we cover everything we need to cover about intensive outpatient? I feel like we... Yeah, I mean, kind of yeah, the, the, the whole the, the higher levels of care. So the IOP and the partial levels mm-hmm. of care, your biggest takeaway there is just learning what you have to pay out of pocket versus what the insurance company is willing to pay. Right. Um, I had mentioned before that a lot of different services go towards your deductible, mm-hmm. the actual partial and IOP programming. And I I can't say for all, this is, I'm generalizing a lot of this, but mm-hmm. most do not 
go towards your deductible. So your insurance will cover you at that 80% or whatever it is that they cover you at. Okay. Do um, your co-insurance. Yeah. You have to figure out what your co-insurance is from by looking yeah, at Yeah, so you policy. have to look at your policy and mm-hmm. see what your co-insurance is. Yeah. And or like we should also say that, you know, most places that you go to, like if you're coming to an IOP at Princeton House or you're going to an IOP elsewhere, all these places should have people that will work with you to figure this stuff out. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of my department. Um, at Princeton House, our, our biggest thing is we don't want you as the patient to be surprised at all by a, a yeah. bill. Mm-hmm. Um, so we make sure that we communicate all of that with the patients before they even start program. Yes. And hopefully any other program you would go to would be just as reputable. Well, and and so the the law that I had mentioned in the beginning, the parity law back in 2014 and the Affordable Health Care Act, all of that is in there that the the provider needs to inform the consumer as much as possible, Mm -hmm. as as best to their knowledge, um, so that they are not blindsided. So they are, you know, knowledgeable going into those services. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's IOP. What should we talk about that's specific to the inpatient level of care? So inpatient, you do have a few extra charges. Um, you could have a copay per day. It usually maxes out at five days. So it could be like the first five days of your inpatient treatment. Mm-hmm. You have to pay. I don't. Sometimes it can be upwards of like $100 on top of any other charges that you may incur during um, an inpatient stay. Mm-hmm. Inpatient is the ultimate highest level of care. And you're also to receiving medical services. So mm-hmm. you have a 24-7 nurse. You have a 24-7 doctor. You know, so it's, it's very much in line with going to a medical center mm-hmm. where you have to, all of that's getting figured into your bill. Right. So- Inpatient hospitalization is exactly what it sounds like. It's, yeah. it's it would be most similar to like a hospital bill to a hospital bed. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're paying you're paying for the bed. Um, so they're called bed days that you're actually utilizing that bed because on the day of discharge, you don't have to pay for that day. You just have to pay for whatever services were rendered. Mm-hmm. So okay, but it's similar to a hospital in that way. Yeah. Right? So I mean, what should people what should people take into consideration? In yeah, of- when you're looking at your benefits, you're going to notice. So you had your partial and your IOP benefits that are paying at 80%. You most likely or you may see that your inpatient benefits cover you at a higher rate because mm-hmm. they're aware that your charges are going to be a lot higher. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so that is something. If you have a really good plan, like a really good policy, you could be covered at 100% for inpatient and then, you know, you might get charged if you happen to, like, get any kind of, uh, I don't know, procedures done in the hospital. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, you could be covered at 100%. You just may have co-pays, but not co-insurances. It really depends on your policy. And that's what you want to look at when you're when you're looking at benefits. Right. Okay. So, I mean, biggest takeaway here is read and know your policy. If you can. Read and know and, your policy. And yeah, you have, I can't say that enough yeah. to people. And if people are having a hard time doing that, like, what would you tell them to do? Because, like... Like I said before, I mean, I've tried to do this and I always get frustrated and just wind up calling or texting you to explain yeah. it to me. So well, and that's what you should do. You, I would not say necessarily to call your health insurance company mm-hmm. because 
they're versed in what they do. They, you know, they're selling a product and they're, they're salesmen, mm -hmm. you know, so I don't know that I would necessarily rely on the actual health insurance company to guide me. But like I said, the, the healthcare.gov has specialists on hand that you can talk to. Your HR department has a specialist that you can talk to, or you can try calling the different insurance companies that you're, maybe you're between Aetna or Horizon. So call both of them and see what they say to you and try to compare that way. Is there a resource if I already have an insurance plan or insurance coverage, is there a resource I can use or utilize to help me understand the policy that I already have? Yes, there is. Um, any and all health insurances have websites where they have a member side of the website. They have a provider side of the website. So you would want to go onto the member side. It's going to have you log in using your policy number and credentials. So you're looking at your policy. And then so you can peruse it that way. If you do have specific questions like what what applies to my deductible that you're not finding on there, then you can call your member services and they have specialists that can walk you through that. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. I actually did learn a lot. And I'm not awesome. just saying that, but I, <laughs> I, I didn't, I wasn't clear on what a co-insurance was versus a copay. So I, yeah. I definitely learned that. And like I said, in the past, you helped me with the whole deductible thing. So like now I'm starting to understand that too. But uh, again, I mean, look, these, it, it might not seem like the most exciting thing to talk about, but it's super important. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if one person could take away something that saved them some money at the end of this, then I'm happy. So Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thanks I mean, for I doing don't, it. I don't think I'm going to have a career in insurance podcasting, but... <laughs> we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll we really never take know. off. If this is the most, view or most listened to one, then... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right.